Hey, this is Pastor Hubbard. I'm the pastor of Connecting Fellowship and welcome to Life on the Ship. Thank you for joining us. I pray this sermonic discussion inspires you and empowers you to connect with the true and living God. Enjoy the message. Our speaker for the ship's 14th anniversary is the Reverend Dr. Mark Dean Haywood. He is affectionately known as the Dean because of the love and care he has displayed in the lives of students he has touched throughout his extensive teaching career. Presently, he is the Assistant Professor of Bible Exposition and Vice President of Student Services at Grace School of Theology in the Woodlands. Dr. Haywood's ministry spreads far and wide, reaching as far as Southeast Asia, sharing his love for the Word of God with the people of God in the Philippines through Grace Asia. He finds great joy engaging and training pastors and churches through all of the Grace portals, including the Grace Pastoral Institute. Dr. Haywood previously served as Vice President of Student Affairs and Dean of Students at Houston CBS College of Biblical Studies. Dean Haywood is a husband, father, role model, and hero to his wife and children. We're grateful to have one of God's best forces and proclaimers share God's words this day. Please welcome to the ship, the speaker of the hour, Reverend Dr. Mark Dean Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, if you really love the Lord, put your hands together. Come on, if you really love him, put your hands together for the Lord. Because he's worthy to be praised. Worthy to be honored. Worthy to be adored. Do anybody in the house really love the Lord? Do you really? Don't fool me this morning. Do you really love the Lord? What a mighty God. Tell your neighbor, what a mighty God we serve. My goodness, my goodness. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Giving honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the head of my life, to your fine pastor and first lady, the Hubbards. Give the Lord a hand praise for them. Amen. 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 It's been a while since we've been connected, and it's good to... Be back here on your 14th uh, anniversary. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, uh, I didn't bring a checkbook, but I did bring some cash. Uh, so before we go too long, my wife and I, we want to... Uh, now, now where's that, where's, where did Sister Porter go? Where, where, did, where did she go? She slipped out. She was talking about, you know, how the first lady doesn't cook, you know? So you ain't got to... You, you won't have to cook. He's going to take you to dinner, all right? So we, we, we got $300... That'll take you to dinner. All right? Amen. That'll, that'll, that'll be some real good eating, huh? Maybe a couple of Burger Kings or so. From the Haywoods. Amen. You know, he, he might be able to take it at least a Burger King. You think? You think? All right. So that uh, the locks on the house doors are not uh, changed. I, I didn't travel lightly today. My wife is here. Sister Karen, wave your hand. There she is right there. Amen. Amen. Be in prayer for her. Uh, her dad passed away on yesterday. 
uh, but she refused to stay in and come and support her husband. So I really appreciate that and to celebrate this moment with the Hubbards. And, uh, and also, uh, my, uh, my, what I would call my twin, my younger twin, is my daughter. She's in the back of the house. Sister Jaquelle, wave your hand. She's always, she's there. Every time daddy needs her, she's going to pack up and follow daddy. So, amen, amen. And when the young lady was dancing, it reminded me of my daughter because that's what she used to do uh, quite a bit. She had a powerful praise dance ministry. And so it's just good to be here with y'all. Amen. Amen. Watching BJ direct the choir and everything is just really good. Uh, BJ did. He did remind me how old I'm getting. And this is what he told me. He said, Dean, the last time I saw you, you had hair. And, uh, and, 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 and so I said, well, yeah, you know, I'm getting old now. I am now 70 years old. So at 70, you're going to lose a few hairs. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. And the older I get, the shorter I preach. <laughs> and I preach even shorter if you help me preach. Is that all right? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you and we worship you and we bow down before you. Thank you, Lord God, for just being you. And thank you, Lord God, for being our God and allowing us to be your children. Thank you for being able to serve you and to serve your people. Thank you for this ministry led by the Hubbards and so many people that have gathered around them. Uh, Michael J. Smith and uh, BJ and so many others that I've heard today that have gathered together so that this ministry will become all that you want it to be, all that you've called it to be, Lord God. I pray um, that you continue to bless them, uh, give them many more years in service, and allow this ministry to be an impact not just to this community, but around the world. But I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are my strength and you are my redeemer. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand praise one more time. Turn to somebody real quickly and say God is able. Tell somebody now you got to get an attitude with this thing. Tell somebody God is able. Pastor Hubbard, I was sitting in a classroom many years ago when I uh, went to Dallas Theological Seminary and Dr. Bingham came into the classroom and he'd do his little thing in church history week after week. But about the third week, he came in and he said, the most important thing that you'll ever think about is what you think about when you think about God. That's what I said. I said, hmm. He said, the most important thing that you'll ever think about is what you think about when you think about God. Because it's the most important thing that affects everything that you do. And then he began to say it'll affect your theology, your Christology, your pneumatology, your harmartiology, your anthropology, your ecclesiology, your eschatology, your bibliology. And then he would say the most important thing that you'll ever think about is what you think about when you think about God. In other words, if you don't think that God is everywhere, you're going to go to some places that you ought not go. If you don't believe that God knows everything, you're going to say some things that you ought not say. 
And so it's important that we know who God is. We need to know who he is. And we need to know that God is able to do whatever you need him to do. That's the kind of God that we serve. We serve a God that is able to do whatever you need him to do. So the question for this morning is how do I know, how do you know that God is able? That's the question on the table. And we learn that as we read the text because he says so in his Bible. In his word, he says he's able. And so I want you you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Stand with me for the reading of God's word if you can and if you will. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And it reads this way. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want to speak just for a little while on these few words. He is able. Turn to somebody real quickly and say, I don't know what you're going through, but God is able. Turn to somebody else real quickly and say, I don't know what's happening in your life, but I am here to tell you this morning. God is able. Now give three people a high five and say, he's able. He's able. He's able to do whatever you need him to do. He's able to do whatever you need him to do. Whether you are rich or whether you are poor, he's able. Whether you're having a good day or a bad day, God is able. You need to understand that God is able. And he can do whatever you need him to do. I want to pause just for a minute and look at what I call the ABCs of this particular pericope or this particular passage of scripture. And A stands for the author and the audience. B stands for the book. C stands for the context in which this passage sits. And so the author here is the Apostle Paul. In fact, he's writing to the Christians living at Ephesus, the Ephesians living at Ephesus. And this is one of what we call Paul's prison epistles. In fact, Paul is sitting in a Roman jail and he sits. He sat there for two years uh, under what we call house arrest or in modern day time. It's when they put an ankle bracelet on. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, no, that's right. I'm in I'm in connecting fellowship. I'm sorry. You know, some places I go, they know exactly what I'm talking about. But but they, they, they put an ankle bracelet nowadays. Well, in those days, they put you under house arrest and you had to pay for your own uh, prison, if you will. You had to pay for wherever you stayed. And so at the end of Acts, Acts, Acts uh, chapter 28, verses 30 and 31, you'll see uh, that he's sitting there for two years. And as he's sitting there, he begins to write what we call the prison epistles. And so he writes Ephesians and he writes uh, uh, Philippians and Colossians. And he also writes uh, Philemon, or if you're from the hood that I came from, Philemon. 
<laughs> and, and, and so he wrote these passages, and this is when he wrote this particular uh, letter to uh, the Ephesians. And some people call this the purpose-driven church uh, because it was designed or the letter was designed to tell them how they were to do church. And so Paul writes this in a way where he tells them, one, that the church was created in Christ. And so they need to have the appropriate conduct in Christ. And so how he lays it out, if I could outline it for you, is chapters one through three talks about the position of the church. The position of the church is that the church was created in Christ. And so that focuses on the justification of believers. And justification is a legal term of art, uh, meaning that you are declared righteous. You're not made righteous because you still sin every now and then, uh, but you are declared righteous. And that's a legal term of art. And so he says that in those first three chapters, he's talking about the position of the church. But in chapters four to six, he's talking about the condition of the church. And he shifts, if you will, uh, from uh, talking about uh, justification to sanctification. And he begins to describe how the church should act, how the church should behave. And so he's gone from creation now to conduct. So if you call yourself a Christian, there's a certain way you ought to behave. And so that's what he spends his time on in chapters four to six. And so we find ourselves in that first area of justification. And so you ought to know that justification is firm and final. Once you become saved, nobody can take your salvation away from you. Once saved, mama, big mama would say, once saved, always saved. Let me put it to you that way. Or, or the theologians would call that eternal security. But then as we, you move into sanctification, sanctification can be fluid and fickle. What do I mean by that? Sometimes you are more intimate with God. Sometimes you back away from God. Uh, uh, but the cool part about it is your condition never can change your position. That sounded pretty good to myself. That's right. Your condition can never change your position. And so where we are, ladies and gentlemen, we really are dealing with a prayer by Paul. That's what we're really dealing with. Paul has moved from what we call exposition to intercession, and he's praying for uh, the Ephesian church or the Ephesian saints. And so in verses 14 and 15, that is what we identify as his position in prayer, because the text says it says, now I bow my knees. And so he is humbling himself. So that's his position or his posture, better to say, in prayer. Then he moves to talk about that. I'll pray to God that he grants you in verses uh, 16 all the way to 19. So that is his petition in prayer for the Ephesians. Uh, But where we're going to hang our hat is in verses 20 and 21, uh, where I call that Paul's perspective in prayer, because Paul's perspective is that God is able. I need to say that one more time. Paul is saying that God is able. And why did he say that? Paul is, has just finished describing in chapter at the end of chapter two and on into chapter three that God has broken down the middle wall partition between the Jews and the Gentiles, brought them together as co-equal partners in salvation into the body of Christ as one people group. 
And so Paul is saying, if God can do that, whoo, man, God is able. He can do anything if he can bring the Jews and the Gentiles together in one body. That's what Paul is saying, that God is able. Now, I told you the older I get, the shorter I preach, right? Well, 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 I only got one principle today. Just one. Are you ready for it? Just one. Are you ready for it? I want to know. Are you really ready for it? Here, here, here it is. God is able to do whatever you need him to do. Repeat after me. God is able to do whatever I need him to do. You need to get that in your spirit. That's the only principle I got today. Because if you can live like that, it will change your life. You walk a little bit differently. You do. You talk a little bit differently when you know that God is able to do whatever you need him to do. Now, I need to take you to Dean Haywood's classroom. Is that all right? Y'all ready to go to class? Let's take a deep dive just for a few minutes into this particular passage uh, because the theology is dealing with um, God's communicable attributes and his non-communicable attributes. So what do I mean by that? Communicable attributes are what God gives to us that he has and he gives to us. His non-communicable attributes are those that he keeps to himself. Like omnipotence, omniscience, all those kind of things. And what we find in this passage are a few things about his uh, non-communicative attributes. One, we find that God is incomprehensible but yet knowable. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. In other words, we don't know all about God, but we do know some things about God. That's why we keep studying because he's incomprehensible. We will never know everything. But he does allow us to know some things. We also learn in this particular passage that God is immutable. That means that he won't change on you. He won't put you on a limb and cut the limb off. And leave you to your own devices. He won't kick you to the curb. That's the kind of God that we serve. The other attribute that we're going to see in this passage, Pastor Hubbard, is that he is omnipotent. That means that he's all powerful. That's why he's able to do whatever you need him to do. Because he's all powerful. And so I already told you the context is that he's praying for the Ephesian church. So Paul uses in verse 20, 20a, he uses two interesting words. He uses able and power. Able and power. He said God is able to do Uh, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the what power that works in us so when we look at these two words able and power one is due to mine the other one is due to miss able is due to mine and uh, power is due to miss so look at able able means that God is capable and strong enough to do whatever That's just able. He's capable and strong enough to do whatever. And then this other one, power, it simply means that God is equipped with all power. And the cold part is he can do the power of working in us. 
Now, now I don't know about you, but 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 that excites me to know that I have a God that can do whatever I need him to do. Because why? He's capable and strong enough. But he doesn't stop there. Look at what else Paul says. Paul uses this this term. It's a it's a compound word. It's Hooper Ekperizo. He says, say what? Hooper et Parizo is the word that he uses, or the phrase, I should say. And I want you to know, this is where, where he's talking about exceedingly abundantly. But this is what you got to get. Look at what Hooper means. Hooper means beyond everything. Excelling anything. Surpassing anything. Over and above everything. More than everything. That's just the Hooper part. But then he goes to ekperizo. Watch this. Ekperizo is an adverb, which is modifying the verb, right? So the verb here is to do or do. Ekperizo is saying, it's, it's a verb, but it's emphatic, meaning that it can happen again and again and again. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. In other words, whatever God can do in your life, he can do it over and over. That's just the grammar part. That doesn't tell you what it means, though. It means beyond normal limits, beyond extraordinary, exceedingly abundantly above. So let me say it this way. This is Dean Haywood's interpretation. God can do some things in your life beyond your wildest dreams and imagination and he can do it over and over and over again that's the kind of God that we serve in other words God has these superpowers that he can produce in your life over and over and over again sister Porter that's the kind of God that we serve. When I think about superpowers, I think about my mama. My mama had superpowers. I need to just say that. Oh, yeah. She had the power of healing. If I would fall and scrape my elbow, all she had to do, Brother Porter, all she had to do is kiss the boo-boo. And instantly, I'd feel better. That's some superpower stuff, y'all. Mama had intuition. You come in with a sad face, she instantly knew something. Baby, come over here and sit on mama's lap. Now, you know, you're 21, and she said, come over here and sit. Well, she knew something was going on because she had the superpower of intuition. Her mama had bionic ears. You know, she would tell you something to do and you walk. I heard that. That's what mama would say. She would. She, I heard that. Or, you know, I grew up in the day when they had the line, the landlines, phone, telephones. And mama would get on the phone and she'd have this long extension cord to the phone. Now, the phone is on the wall way over there. Mama is way over here. And she could cook, help you do homework, and talk on the phone all at the same time. 
multitasking. Mama invented multitasking. Y'all probably had mamas like that too. Or she had x-ray eyes. Boy, clean up that room. Mama, you haven't even gone in there. Clean up that room. She already knew. Well, I can see them clothes all over that closet. Go clean up that closet. Mama had x-ray eyes. Now think about it. If mama could do that, what do you think your heavenly father can do? And I like that again and again and again because he talks about in 21 how you're supposed to talk about it, his glory in the next generation. From generation to generation. And let me just drop this on you. God's glory equals God's attributes. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. God's glory equals God's attributes. So can I mess you up a little bit? Can, can I mess you up a little bit? If you're going to glorify God, you need to put on display publicly the attributes of God. God is loving. So you need to put on display love. God is patient and kind. You need to display, and it needs to be publicly. Not in some back room where nobody knows. You need to publicly dis display the attributes of God if you glorify him. See, some people think glorifying God is just singing. No. Uh-uh. That's worship. That might be praise. But to glorify him is to make your life look like he wants it to look. And so you got to be willing to adjust some of the things that you do. You know, we know that sanctification, for some Christians, sanctification, you know, sanctification to be set apart for the Lord. And progressive sanctification is to look more and more like God every day, more and more like him, like Jesus Christ. And for some of the saints, that's going from five curse words to three. But that is progress, right? Huh? Man, it's some progress. You know? Hopefully that ain't your testimony. But, but here's, here's the deal. When you realize God has superpowers, when you real, realize God has, uh, God can do whatever you need him to do, you pray differently. You pray with expectation. When you know that God can do whatever you need him to do, you have hope in your life. And let me tell you what hope is. Hope is stretching the mind in a certain direction with an expectant attitude. That's what hope is. When you know that God is able to do whatever you need him to do, you understand that God can answer your prayer in a better way and at a better time. I need to say that one more time. God can answer your prayer at, in a better way and at a better time. Old folks used to say it this way. He may not come when you want him to come, but he's always, always on time. So you got to get it in your spirit 
that God loves you so much that he's ready, willing, and able to do whatever you need him to do. And notice I said need. I didn't say want. Because sometimes we want some stuff and God, God said no. And sometimes we want some stuff, God allows us to have it, and we say, God, can you take this back? <laughs> so I've learned, Jaquel, I've learned this. I want to pray according to his will because I'm too stupid to know what I need all the time. I'm not going to speak for you. I'm just going to speak for me. And he's powerful to give me exactly what I need when I need it. That's right. You got to understand that just at the name of Jesus, water can turn to wine. At the name of Jesus, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Lame folk can walk. At the name of Jesus, blind people can see. At the name of Jesus, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Uh huh. Those that can't talk begin to talk. At the name of Jesus. Folk that could not hear begin to hear. At the name of Jesus. Dead folk wake up. At the name of Jesus. Your situation can turn around. At the name of Jesus. That's just in his name, y'all. Because there's power just in his name. But here's the problem. Folk don't believe that God can do whatever you need him to do. That's the problem. But I got a solution for you. Are you ready? I got three things that I want you to do or remember when you have a problem. That's going to satisfy you, moving you from faith, from fear to faith. Here it is. You ready? Number one, remember, he is able. Number two, remember, he is able. Number three, remember. He is able. And if I had a four and a five and a six, he is able. That's the kind of God that we serve. God is able to do whatever you need him to do. Give him some praise in this house. As I get ready to take my seat, I remember that my buddy, buddy Rudolph, Rudolph Peters in Oakland, California, he called me up one day. Pastor Hubbard, and he said, hey, Wood, I want you to invest in my little business uh, because um, I started a little entertainment business and I need you to invest. I said, no, man, I ain't into that. You go on, buddy. I don't want to give you no, no money on that. I said, I'm just a broke preacher. I'm a poor preacher. In fact, I'm so poor. It's just P-O. It ain't no P-O-O-R. Uh, and some days it's just just a P. <laughs> he kept calling me. He kept calling me, y'all. So I said, okay, since I've been knowing, I've been knowing him since I was four years old, y'all. So I wrote him a little check, just just a little bit of money, Pastor, and I sent it to him. At the end of the year, he sent me back a check doubling my money. <laughs> Exceedingly abundantly above all that I So he said, he said, he called me up again at the next year, and he said, hey, Wood. We have expanded our entertainment business and we're going into the movie industry. I need you to write me another check. So I had that same amount of money. I said, you know what? <laughs> Maybe it just might happen twice. <laughs> 
So I wrote him out a check, sent it to him. At the end of the year, he doubled the money. Uh-huh. But then he had the nerve, Sister Hubbard. He called me up. He said, he said, look, we're having a concert in Thunder Valley. I want you to come to the concert. I said, hey, man, I ain't into that kind of stuff, man. Y'all going to do your little concert. He said, no, Haywood, you need to see what your investment is doing. I said, I ain't into that kind of stuff. Go ahead. He said, no, please, come on. I said, okay, I'm coming. So I hopped on an airplane, flew to Oakland, California, rented a car, drove it up to Lincoln, California in Thunder Valley. Thunder Valley is a casino, y'all, a restaurant, and it has a big concert outside. So I'm saying, you know, Pastor Haywood in this concert, I'm feeling a little some kind of way. So he said, but he said, look, when you get to the concert, go to the VIP gate. I left your name at the, on the list so you can get in. So I walk up to the gate. Guard says, yes, sir, how can I help you? So I said, hey, uh, my name is Mark Haywood, and I'm on the VIP list to get in backstage. So he looks at the list, uh, Brother Porter, he looks at the list, and he, don't, he doesn't find my name. He said, I'm sorry, sir, your name's not on the list. So I said, hmm. I said, can you check one more time? He checks the list, and he said, I'm sorry, sir, your name is not on the list. Well, right about now, Sister Porter, I'm getting a little angry and a little frustrated because I'm saying to myself, my investment is paying your salary. <laughs> and you ain't going to let me in my concert? BJ, I'm saying, how dare you? <laughs> I said, well, wait a minute. I said, Mr. Peters told me his eyes got big. He said, Mr. Peters, you know Mr. Peters? I said, yeah, he's the one that was, put my, was putting my name on the list. He said, hold up, hold up. He calls backstage, y'all, and he's, he says, I got somebody here that's looking for Mr. Peters. Can you get Mr. Peters? They put Mr. Peters on the line, and so Mr. he told Mr. Peters I was there. Mr. Peters said, yeah, let him in. That's my buddy, and so he let me in, y'all, and I'm backstage, y'all. I'm backstage with Tony, Tony, Tony. Hanging out with them. I'm backstage with salt and pepper. And they trying to say push it real good. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Y'all been in church all your little lives. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. I'm backstage with Keith Sweat with his begging self. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm backstage. I'm hanging out. Doing all those things that super, that exceedingly abundantly above all that I can. And I'm walking around. Uh-huh. I'm Dean Haywood. Backstage. But here's my point, ladies and gentlemen. I couldn't get in with my name. I could only get in with his name. There's some doors that you may not be able to get into. But oh, I know a name. A name that is above all names. Where every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Give the Lord a hand breathe. You need to know six trials Jesus experienced for you. Three religious trials, three criminal trials. He suffered for you and for me. They spat on him. They beat him so that one day you might realize that he is able. Nails in his hand, nails in his feet so that one day you might realize he is able. Crown of thorns on his head pierced him in his side so that one day you might realize he is able they hung him high stretched him right on a whole rugged cross so that one day you might realize 
he is able. He died. Didn't he die? He died. Well, early, early, early on a Sunday morning. He got up. He got up. He got up with all power in his hands so that one day you might realize he is able. Give the Lord a hand, praise. Tell your neighbor, he's able. I don't know what you're going through. Fourteen years, I was blessed to hear that six foot of water over there, eight feet of water over there, and only a half an inch in here. Exceedingly abundantly above all. You can ask or think. Wiped out over there, wiped out over here. Not even a chair turned over in here. He is able. Mud came along, but you were able to move back into a back room. Four-man army setting up studio. Why? Because he is able. Give him a hand, praise. My challenge to you, connecting fellowship. My challenge to you is to remember, whatever happens in your life, Whoever comes in or comes out, remember this one thing. He is able. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message by Pastor Hubbard and the staff of Life on the ship. For more information about our church, go to connectingfellowship.org. We are Connecting Fellowship, connecting people to Christ, church, and community. Thank you again for listening. Have a great week, and God bless you.